Hello, welcome to Winter Dogs Bagpipe and History Podcast, the weekly show where I explore the likely repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers using historic music collections, written for bagpipes or not, uh, and played on illin pipes, highland pipes, and whistles. Let's hear some tunes. Time for another episode. Actually, it's a little overdue for another episode. Uh, I've been pretty good about posting these things right at midnight, uh, my time Saturday, as opposed to in the middle of the morning. Um, but this is going to be a middle of the morning episode. Uh, I've sort of fallen behind in grading, and so had to do a bunch of grading, which meant that uh, I didn't get the podcast recorded kind of as I would like to. Had a funny realization. I was talking with my wife about how much time I was spending with Ellen piping stuff. I attended uh, Ronan Brown has like a Saturday session, not session, but like listening session, discussion, lecture, uh, just sit around and chat about uh, about some aspect of piping. And it was R.L. Amelie this uh, this last weekend. It was awesome. And uh, and then Mikey Smith was on the Southern California Ellen Pipers Club uh, Piper Sunday. So I went to that. And I, I was, th- I told my wife, like, when I went to that Ronan Brown thing, like, I saw people that listened to my podcast there, at least one person. So, like, in theory, they could have listened to the podcast and then went to Ronan Brown's thing and then went to Mikey Smith's thing. Like, that's a whole weekend of Ellen Pipes. Some people are just, like, I can't believe it. And she said, well, you recorded that podcast. It's like, oh, right, I'm one of those people that spends too much time on bagpipes. So, anyway, definitely feel like I spent too much time on bagpipes this week, but, um, yeah, there are worse things to spend your time on. Uh, As I said last time, uh, this episode is going to be on country dance music uh, of sorts. I kind of, I was thinking about doing a bath episode, and I've got some cool research in the works and things to talk about, I think, about um, bath and bagpipes and kind of ballroom dancing. Um... But I, I've decided just to put that off. Uh, there's a cool blog about bath dancing I want to read a little bit. So we're going to look instead today at Cook's selection of the present favorite country dances for the year 1796. Um, so Bartlett Cook published this country dance music collection in Dublin, and it's just lovely. There's a ton of Jackson tunes in it. Well, maybe not a ton, but several Jackson tunes in it. And I've been playing through an awful lot of country dance collections from Scotland and England, and uh, I thought I'd give Ireland a crack, and yeah, there's some some pretty awesome stuff. So we're going to play through a lot of the tunes in Cook's collection. Uh, that's sort of going to be the theme here. Um, and then we're going to chat about... Um, <laughs> I started reading through old articles of Napeber Elan's archive magazine uh, called All Piber, or Piber, I think, uh, and then kind of more important or better than that as i've had kind of robust email exchange with keith sanger who's been answering questions and and sending me articles um about bagpipe history so uh yeah through the course of that i started reading through barrington's account of kind of life in ireland in the 1790s and up through the 1820s and found the account of waking the piper which i posted on social media 
Um, so we're going to talk about Waking the Piper and Barrington at the end of this uh, episode, as well as some stuff that Keith Sanger sent me about a monkey and a dog and a bagpiper. So that's going to be at the end. Uh, but like I said, mostly we're going to play through quite a few tunes from Cook's collection here from 1796. Uh, I feel bad. I've emailed Keith uh, asking questions about bath pipers, and he responded in kind and sent me some rather cool stuff that I'm looking forward to talking about. Uh, but I didn't ask him anything about Cook, uh, so I'm kind of anticipating that I might be getting an email saying, oh, I wish, you knew, wish I knew you were going to talk about Cook. Uh, anyway, I found Cook... Uh, Cook's collection when I was looking for Jackson tunes, because that's another thing I've been wanting to do lately. There are several Jackson tunes in Cook's collection here, and uh, once I was looking for Jackson's bottle of claret, uh, I found Cook, which is hosted on our traditional music archive website, so I'll have a link in the show notes for all these things. There's always links to music, so check it out. Um, yeah, so there'll be links to that. So anyway, the tunes we're going to listen to from Cook are Jackson's Bottle of Claret, Go to the Devil and Shake Yourself, uh, Miss Duval's Reel, The Lug of the Spade, which is also a Jackson tune, probably. Uh, and then Silver Mines is in this, is in Cook, but I'm going to play uh, Jackson's Silver Mines from O'Farrell's setting. Uh, I prefer that one. I recorded it a while ago, and I just wound up recording piping for like three hours straight this afternoon. And uh, it is clear that my brain was a little tired by the end of that. So I'm going to use uh, Jackson Silver Mines from O'Farrell. The setting is a lot more robust in O'Farrell. There's, there's more of it than there is in Cook. Um, and then we're going to play another tune. Uh, Lady Macintosh's reel shows up in Cook's collection, but the setting for it was something I couldn't really play on Illin Pipes, couldn't play on Whistle. Uh, but I did look around for other settings of it, and I can see that it's sort of the same thing. And it shows up in Robert Bremner's 1769 Scots Reels, or country dance music from Scotland. So we'll play Bremner's setting of Lady Mackintosh's Reel on Highland Pipes, and then I found uh, a setting that was actually written for Highland Pipes uh, in Logan's collection, which is published in kind of the early 20th century, but is clearly an older tune. Uh, and then we'll talk about... Um, We'll talk about Waking the Piper, and I'm just going to finish with Box the Monkey, because uh, it makes sense thematically. Uh, Goodman has a setting for it, so I'm going to play, I think this is the first Goodman setting we're playing on the podcast. Um, Box the Monkey, which apparently is just another setting for Munster, so, or Munster Buttermilk, rather. And so, without further ado, let's uh, let's just kick right in here to the country dances. It's it's kind of neat. I recommend uh, people look at it. Uh, Walsh's country dances and Bremner, uh, I guess Walsh's does for sure has like little diagrams or little not diagrams but infer- instructional manuals on how to do the dances. And Cook has those too, but they are so minimum that it's it's sort of hard to believe uh that this would be helpful so like the first tune we're going to listen to jackson's bottle of claret uh the dance instructions are first gentlemen and last turn entirely row colon with right hands the same with left down the mid colon up again cast off and churn there you go that's the whole dance <laughs> i don't know Uh, Anyway, so here's Jackson's bottle of claret out of Cook's Country Dances. (laughs) 
of the things that uh, Keith sent me was a pretty excellent article about Piper Jackson, uh, Walker Jackson. I'm not going to talk about it too much. It's from the Irish Folk Music Studies uh, from 1976, uh, and I could not find a copy of this to save my life. Um, so I uh, wound up just begging him for it, and he sent it to me. Uh, quite kind of him. Um, I think, like I said, we're going to have another episode about Jackson and the future. Uh, the reason that I brought it up with Mr. Sanger is uh, he kind of wrote in to talk about the problems of attributing that variation of uh, Cock Up the Beaver to Carolyn, uh, just that it, it doesn't show up attributed to Carolyn until... 100 years uh, long time <laughs> maybe 100 years after Earth carolyn had died um and i had said to him that well yeah but i, I don't think i i was under the impression that no tunes were recorded in carolyn's lifetime and that you're kind of dependent on oral traditions and kind of longer lasting tunes that are recorded eventually and i said i wanted to talk about jackson because jackson actually put out a collection of his music and uh anyway uh that's how Mr. Sanger and I got talking about it, and he mentioned that there, there is a publication of Carolyn's music that was published in his lifetime, but I haven't started digging into that, but I feel like that's going to be another thing that I'm going to want to explore a bit. Uh, anyway, so like I said, uh, Jackson is a gentleman piper in the 18th century, a wealthy guy, president of some clubs and things, but uh, really wrote some, some nice tunes. So Bottle of Claret is our first one. Uh, let's go next kind of doing these in order as they show up. I'm not going to play every tune in here. Um, I'm probably playing more than I should have, but uh, gosh, we're doing a whole page though, it looks like. So let's do Go to the Devil and Shake Yourself. Uh, in case you're wondering how the dance goes, hands across, back again, down the mid, up again, cast off and churn. There you go. Easy dance. I'm sure you're all experts at country dancing now that you have got uh, Cook's manual here. Thank you. 
right. And then the next one on that sheet is none other than The Lug of the Spade, which is another Jackson tune. This one, I even... I'm tempted... I was tempted not to put it in because I was pretty squawky. Pretty squawky with it. Um, I'm going to include it anyway, I guess, because Mikey Smith said to be selfish. <laughs> I mean, Mikey Smith's an amazing piper, so if he says be selfish and let the squawks happen, uh, he squawks way less than I do. So it makes it's a little bit more net positive. But uh, worked on this for a long time, so I'm going to include it. Uh, so yeah, here is Lug of the Spade. Again, this tune is attributed to Walker Jackson and appears in Cook's Country Dances. switch gears a little bit here. Uh, the next tune that I want to play from this collection is Lady Macintosh's Reel, but as I said, I couldn't really figure out how to work this out on Ellen Pipes with this setting, um, but as I was looking around for something else, um, the, a future episode is going to feature another tune in Cook's collection here, uh, Miss McDonald's Reel, but it just sent me down too much of a rabbit hole, uh, so I, I'm going to give it its own episode, because Miss McDonald's Reel on the first page of Country Dances is Flora McDonald's Reel, and obviously has lots of interesting things to talk about with that, so that's coming up at some point. Um, but when I was looking for other versions of Miss McDonald's reel, I saw Lady Mackintosh's reel in Bremner's uh, collection of Scottish tunes in 1769. And Bremner's setting, I could see that it was the same as Cook's, but playable. Like, I understood it. Like, the, the notes were similar enough position to, like, be the same rhythm and, and melody, but just set on the staff in a good way. So I'm going to play Bremner's setting for uh, Lady Mackintosh's reel. And I played it on Highland Pipes. Um, it clearly wasn't written for Highland... I mean, it's written so you could play it on Highland Pipes in Bremner's setting, but there's no embellishments or that sort of thing. I guess it goes one note beyond the reach. Um, but anyway, here is my interpretation of Bremner's setting for Lady Macintosh's Real. Uh, like I said, quite similar to what is in Cook.
since we broke the seal on Highland Piping, I'm going to play uh, another setting, this one written for Highland Pipes, um, from Logan's collection. So uh, Logan's collection of Highland bagpipe music is huge. Uh, there are many volumes of it. And I was just kind of poking around on Killshawn and found that there was a setting for Miss Macintosh's Reel, and I decided to go for it. It's clearly the same tune, um, but it is quite a bit... Uh, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit trickier. Uh, so yeah, what he calls it is Lady Macintosh's Reel, and he attributes the setting to John McColl. And John McColl was a pretty well-known... or is a pretty well-known uh, Highland Bagpipe composer from kind of late 19th century, and he passed away in 1943. Wrote lots of tunes. Uh, and his, his setting for um, Lady Macintosh's Reel is pretty, pretty rad. A little challenging, uh, at least as it appears in, in Logan. But I don't know. I think I did it, did it justice. Uh, but anybody out there that plays it might know otherwise. Anyway, here we go. This is uh, Logan's interpretation of McColl's setting for Miss Macintosh's Reel. Well, if that wasn't apparent from the get-go, uh, by the second time through, that's clearly my interpretation of Logan's interpretation of McCall's interpretation of Miss Macintosh's reel. Anyway, uh, pretty cracking tune, and like I say, it's in Cooks too, so have a look at that. Maybe you can have a better luck with it uh, on your own. Uh, the tune after Lady Macintosh's reel is The Silver Mines in Cook's collection, or in Cook's uh, collection of 1796 dance tunes and uh, like I said I wasn't happy with my playing of the silver mines as written in cook here and so I'm going to just include uh, my version of playing Jackson silver mines it's the same tune just I think it's a four part rather than a two part version as uh, O'Farrell has it in the national tutor book um yeah, the, not the Pocketbook Companion, but the first book he put out. Still haven't got my hands on a copy of it. If anybody has a PDF or photos of it that they're willing to share with me, I would love to see the original. I've just been going off of kind of ABC notations of it, which have, you know, they, the tunes are there. Uh, just always makes me a little nervous. But anyway, here is Jackson Silvermines from O'Farrell.
finally, our last tune out of Cook. I really like this tune. Uh, I don't know if I'm done with it. I think there's some there's some cool kind of off notes or natural notes or incidentals. I'm not sure what you call this in Ellen Piping. Um, but I like it. like it a lot. And I hope to spend a little bit more time with it and make a set out of it. Uh, this is called Miss Duval's Reel. said i've been spending the week uh kind of when i had free time reading through the peeper illens archive of their newsletter and kind of corresponding with keith sanger and reading through articles he's been sending me and i wound up getting turned on to this reference in jonah barrington's kind of personal sketches of his life which he published in 1830 um but clearly writes about he's born in 1756 or 57 dies in 1834 so this account comes out pretty close to the end of his life most of what i'm reading about is i'm not 100 sure what the time frame is but he's talking about something um at one point he talks about somebody speaking of their experiences at waterloo so it's at least after 1815 but it's he's kind of general talking about life in kind of a, a big irish country house uh, and so he has this interesting quote about piping. He says, Pipers at the time formed an indispensable part of every sporting gentleman's establishment. My father always had two, the ladies' piper for the dance, the gentleman's piper for occasion of drinking. These men rendered that instrument the most expressive imaginable, with a piece of buff leather on their thigh. They made the double chanter almost speak words, and by a humorous mode of jerking the bag, brought out the most laughable species of chromatic conceivable. So that's kind of neat. So many pipers, if this is his father's time, I'm comfortable saying 1790s, 18, early 1800s. So many pipers around that you've got two of them coming to all your balls. That's kind of cool. And then just another kind of, it's, I want to read this next section because it is relevant to that descriptive pieces thing uh well first i love that barrington has this account of them being able to make the chanter speak and kind of do funny sounds 
I just love that pipers were doing that in the 1790s too. Like, like, oh, hey, I can make this thing honk. Let's see what kind of weird honky sounds I can make. Uh, so he goes on to talk about descriptive pieces. Sparrington says, They were in the habit of playing a piece called The Wedding, in which words were plainly articulated. The wedding dinner, the dancing, drinking, etc., and all was expressed in a surprising manner. They also played the hunt, or hare in the corn, though through all of its parts, the hounds, the horns, the shouts, the chase, the death, etc. If the German who composed the Battle of Prague had heard an old Irish piper, he never would have attempted another instrumental imitation of words. I don't know, that's just so cool. I am assuming the hunt and the hare in the corn is pretty similar to the fox chase, which I played on that descriptive episode, but this the wedding one i have no idea what the descriptive piece is of the wedding there's the highland there's the wedding from oscar and melvina or the highland wedding um and i don't know that shows up in um well you heard nicholas brown do it the highland wedding uh from oscar melvina shows up in kind of his interpretations of a couple like battle descriptive pieces uh so maybe maybe that's it uh it uh, but I don't know. I'm pretty excited to try to track down what the wedding descriptive piece is. Uh, anyway, so that's sort of some cool background. So the, the thing I want to talk about, this waking the piper, uh, I just love that there's a term for this. Uh, Barrington is going to his brother's hunting lodge in order to visit with him. And uh, this is the scene that he describes. Uh, so we had intended to surprise my brother, but had not calculated on the scene I was to witness. On driving to the cottage door, I found it open, whilst a dozen dogs of different descriptions showed themselves ready to receive us not in the most polite manner. My servant's whip, however, soon sent them about their business, and I ventured into the parlor to see what cheer. It was about ten in the morning. The room was strewed with empty bottles, some broken, some interspersed with glasses, plates, dishes, knives, spoons, etc., all in glorious confusion. Here and there were heaps of bones, relics of a former day's entertainment, which the dogs, seizing their opportunity, had cleanly picked. Three or four of the fucking aliens uh, lay fast asleep upon chairs, one or two other of the on the floor, among whom... Uh, one or two others on the floor, among whom a piper lay on his back, apparently dead, with a tablecloth spread over him, and surrounded by four or five candles, burnt to the sockets. His chanter and bags were laid scientifically across his body, his mouth was quite open, and his nose made ample amends for the silence of his drone. Joe Kelly and a Mr. Peter Alley from the town of Duro, uh, one of half-mounted gentry, were fast asleep in their chairs close to the wall. Had I never viewed such a scene before, it would have terrified me, but it was nothing more than an ordinary custom, which we called waking the piper. So, uh, a couple things struck me off the bat. Uh, just that this guy, I don't know, like, I, I get that alcohol makes you do crazy things, so the thought of a piper just being passed out with his instrument on top of him made me horrified. Uh, so again, 
uh, in late 18th century, early 19th century, there's so many bagpipers that you can have two for a party, and there's so many pipe makers that the piper is not afraid of getting blind out drunk. Um, so there's a little like footnote on this, and the footnote makes it worse, uh, I think, in terms of the kind of risk that your bagpipes are at. So he goes on to explain, waking the piper was an ancient usage. When he had got too drunk to play anymore, he was treated as a corpse, stretched out and candles placed around him. While in this insensible state, they put the drone of his pipe into his mouth and blew the bellows till he was bloated. This was called blowing up the piper with false music. It did him no bodily harm as burnt whiskey and plenty of pepper soon sent the wind about its business to no small amusement of the company. So they're sticking his bellows blowpipe into his mouth and filling him up with air and he's just belching it out. I just, you know, I don't know. If you've ever been the person that woke up with things drawn on their face, like this feels familiar, but uh, slightly terrifying. So this this account just tickled me. Tickled my fancy. I thought it was uh, hilarious and terrifying all in the same light. Over the course of my correspondence with Keith Sanger this week, he sent me some articles he had written for back issues of the Peeper Illins uh, magazine, including one called Endnotes, The Last Days of Fitzmaurice and Gagan. Gagan or Gaffigan, uh, I think it's Gagan. I talked about him a couple episodes back, played some tunes from his tutor. And Fitzmaurice is kind of neat. We might talk about him more too. Um, there was a Fitzmaurice that is... Uh, accounted as like playing union pipes at the Highland Society's bagpipe competition. So they'd have a Highland pipe competition and a union piper named Fitzmaurice would play. I'm not sure if this is the same same one or not. Um, but what, what interests me more is John Gagan. So the, this issue is kind of trying to figure out any evidence of what happened to Gagan. I sort of don't know much about him other than what is written down in his tutor. Uh, but Keith found some really cool references to another Gagan Piper in India in 1818. And Keith found this in the journal of the Marquess of Hastings uh, on the 7th of March. So I'm just going to read this whole thing to you. Uh, at half past six in the evening, we dined with the Nawab Vizier. There was the usual entertainment of singing girls who were as little calculated to please the eye as to gratify a European ear, but we had one accompaniment, novel, at the feast of a native sovereign, an Irish bagpiper, Jerry Gagan, whom the Nwab Visser had taken into his service at a large salary, is a very good performer. One of the courtiers told me, with a good deal of jocularity that Jerry often disappointed the Nawab by sudden attacks of sickness, as they were construed, after dinner. On those occasions, Jerry used to retire to his bed, at the foot of which a bulldog was chained, and at the head of it a large monkey. These trusty guardians would not let anybody approach to inquire into their master's malady. The narrator chuckled exceedingly at the Nawab's want of perception uh, that the dram bottle was Jerry's only disorder. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here reading Barrington's account of the kind of abuse that you would do to a drunken piper in Ireland and kind of the turn of the 18th and 19th century there. And uh, and then I'm reading through Sanger's article that talks about a piper, Jerry Gagan, that intelligently defended himself with a monkey and a pit bull. Like, yeah, no, that makes sense. If I was in India and uh, worried that people were going to, you know, surround me with candles and harass my instrument, I'd tie a monkey up to my bed, too. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, it's sort of funny. 
neat little thing, Waking the Piper, uh, which which reminds me, I call dibs on Waking the Piper as an album title, uh, if that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, Waking the Piper, I kind of want to call dibs on the Piper's Monkey, too, but... Uh, but let's be honest, I'm probably not going to ever have an album, so that's fine. But if I do, uh, Waking the Piper is, uh, I got I got dibs. We can negotiate if you want to uh, take my dibs. Anyway, so I thought to finish off, needed a monkey tune, and so uh, seems pretty fitting to do a setting from Goodman uh, called Box the Monkey. Uh, as I said at the beginning, it seems like it's an alternate setting for Munster's Buttermilk or Munster Buttermilk. Um, but yeah, here we go. Box the Monkey. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, next week, we'll still probably be talking about dance tunes. Uh, I need to do a, another bit of a deep dive into some older dance tunes. There's still some more tunes from Cook to Discuss. He's got a whole second volume in 1797. Um, and we've got that Miss McDonald's reel to do so much. And then this bath episode coming up. So, uh, yeah, don't know what the next week's episode's going to be, but it's going to have something to do with dancing. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, really thanks for listening. Uh, I should have had an episode that had talked about sex sooner. We kind of crushed all of my download records. Um, Go ahead and subscribe if you are not already, so you don't miss an episode. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a review on iTunes or whatever your podcast listener is. And feel free to get in touch with me if you have any questions or just want to chat about bagpiping at waytootwog at gmail.com. And cheers, everybody. Let's go out to Goodman's Box the Monkey.